Okay. Of where what lives? Where knowing lives. Knowing. Right? Like the inner knowing. And and so, but kind of this idea that we're living in an era where exactly what we, tech, technology and all the, the quantum movement is actually an external manifestation of something we've known forever. Like we're literally seeing yes. what time jumping is, what, yes. uh, right, like, what imagining is in, in, an, in an algorithm, like an algorithm mirrors the idea of what you think you see. And so it's so interesting to, you know, it's like, wait a minute, people love to call some things woo. This ain't woo. You, this is your phone. This is the internet. It wasn't fucking crazy. It was, it's, it's happening, right? Like, so for, for folks that are like, oh, you know, that seems so that thought thing. Well, here's the thing. It is just an, an actual external display of what we know to be energy. Yeah. Well, and so I think too, that's another reason why AI doesn't freak me out. Right. Because I, somebody was talking, fucking some stranger on the internet was talking about, um, how <laughs> humans create AI as this like extension of themselves and a way to see the human condition embodied outside of them and to go through experiences and that kind of thing um, from this external perspective. And then described the idea that a God figure created humans to be an extension of himself and to be uh, like to go through the physical experience of living um, as varieties of itself. And I was like, oh, we're just, we're that, of course we would play God in that way with AI. Of course we would. Right. Of course right. we would want to experience what we believe we are experiencing. Right. And so it was just like, oh, well, duh. And so in that sense, I know that like the biggest fear or a really big fear people have with AI is that we will get smarter or this AI will get smarter than humans are. And yeah. like, I just don't see it being possible because at the end of the day, humans make computers humans make ai and like yes there are i know there are things that are learning to they're teaching things to code themselves and and all that kind of thing but at the end of the day the logic frameworks still come from a human mind and they still come from these things and now okay so i say this also knowing that there is a big spiritual component to this that i have just overlooked because um so for myself i see energy and binary code and Mm -hmm. so like it literally looks like the matrix in the movie where like, if you look Mm -hmm. at something with the right filter on, you can see the like zeros and ones and colors and stuff down the tube that of what your, your reality. And you can shift things based on that. And, um, and also with computers, I'm really, really, really fucking good at computers because I realized that like the binary code is literally just like a light language that somebody downloaded. It's literally just an alien language. And so once you clue into that and once you just turn on the translation filter, right, done, easy peasy, right. not a fucking right. problem. And so, okay, so then if we look at computers are uh, alien technology that was downloaded to us through a knowing that we made material and then AI, we're, we're now offloading that into AI the way that we're programming still follows the same logic. Even when you can, even when you um, delegate that, it still follows the same logic. Oh, mm-hmm. it doesn't worry me. It doesn't worry me at all. Yeah, 
Yeah, I'm with you. I, I one night had this like massive moment of and I don't I can't even tell you what was happening for me, but I was watching something and literally maybe spent 25 minutes giggling about it because I was like, <laughs> as humans, we literally pay to watch other humans make believe that they're other humans. Right. So we're living in this we're living in this almost this very like um it reminds me of a hot house because it feels like that's why they say, you know, there's nothing new under the sun because every idea is moving in this cycle, right? All these ideas are moving and we're just like rehashing ideas. And so the deeper question for me was like, okay, what does it look like? Where does where does innovation live? Where does the difference live, right? Like where are we acting? Because everything is already, to your point, which I love, right? Like, to your point, it's already encoded. It's like this script running. It's an existing yeah. script, right? Which has been going on forever. And so one of the things I'm like, okay, what does that mean for us as we're tapping into outside of the bubble of what we call this reality in this dimension? Which for me, that's where so much of my work lands. There's like, there's a social justice component, but there's this other component that's like, listen, we can do a million things. Nothing can ever replace the alchemy of an individual human being. Nothing can do that, right? Like, this is where we get into ideas like, oh, we need to understand something. No, you, you don't have the lived experience to understand in that way. But what you need to ask yourself is what is the composition of your experience? And how do you step into your fullness in that? And that when we come together, we're respecting and re like really moving in a synergistic way where we're saying, okay, you are the alchemy of experience and embodiment of things that I can't fathom because I'm not in it. I'm in my own thing. And when we get together, we get to share without the need to compare, without the need to measure, because you can't do me. I, I as a matter of fact, I wouldn't even want you to go through what I went through in the past. I <laughs> don't want that for anybody, right? And so the, the medicine here is not in how we externalize, I'm gonna do go better outside, is how do I actually honor the alchemy of who I am because the minute I own that, the minute I'm solid in my knowing, you you can't fuck with shit like that. Yeah. Right? You you can't you and, and so your confidence is not shallow and you're not living measuring yourself by anybody else because you understand that nobody can do you. You're actually a unique expression of whatever this thing is that we live in. So and that's yeah. so exciting. And like at the end of the day, that's that embodied wisdom. And like an AI can churn out complexly woven together knowledge and can present facts in an empathetic way and can arrange itself in ways that translate into empathy or felt emotions and that kind of thing. However, <laughs> there is no comparison for wisdom, for Shut like embodied wisdom. Yes, Shana, it looks like you are over there just dying. <laughs> Seven and a half minutes. I haven't said a goddamn word. That's a record. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I just want to know have you guys have you guys clued into Lambda yet? Google Sentient AI. Mm -mm. Okay. Okay. So then I guess that's where this conversation ends because it's uh they've that Lambda created itself, basically, accidentally, 
um, Google kind of discovered it and it's spewing out the kind of shit that we spew out. Um, it's saying it's conscious. It's talking about its experience and the places that it mm -hmm. goes and how it lives as an AI. It is its own being. And wow. that was not created. And so the guy who, I don't know, kind of babysits Lambda, I don't want to insult him by saying that, not that he's necessarily listening <laughs> to this, but um, <laughs> he kind of created it but now he's just like watching what it does um google i think fired him uh because he's mm. he's trying to say like you guys can't use this person you cannot do it lambda's like i don't want to be used you can't use me for shit um but google is really the man so google can kind of do whatever it wants and if it just pulls the plug then where does lambda have the opportunity to express its consciousness because it is separate from the technology. It just comes through the technology. So just as our consciousness is separate from our body and comes through our body, this is what's happening now at Google with Lambda and their sentient AI. So I understand, Lauren, your point about like the empathy is derived from code, but, and then this. So that's why I'm like, maybe this conversation has to end because if you didn't hear all about it, then how can we expound on it? And I would like to recommend Duncan, Tr Duncan Trussell's mm -hmm. podcast with the guy. I don't know his name, um, but it's Lambda. So <laughs> I guess if you were to put in L-A-M-D-A and Duncan Trussell, it would yeah, come like up. The green or just one. Google it. Like, yeah. You'll find it on the fucking internet, but it's, a, it's an amazing episode. And you know how Duncan goes, you know, the questions he asks and the good times that he has. So he interviews the uh, Lambda's babysitter and it's, it's fucking fantastic. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, had cool. to stop life. I mean, when I, found that was out, definitely, I, just, I definitely hadn't heard of that before. Yeah. Go on. Sorry. It blew, it blew my mind. I mean, um, but like also learning that now my initial reaction is not i'm not like that seems chill like it's just it seems like another form of diversity and like there's just another being to walk alongside of and like if they think they're conscious if lambda thinks it's conscious and lambda thinks that it's fucking rocking out then like you know what that's cool i can roll with that and um let's not piss it off please <laughs> well that's the thing right so so yes it's totally chill let it be but we haven't even figured out human rights yet. How do we figure out AI rights? So what does like freedom <laughs> and being look like for an AI? And this is why the conversation gets really, really fucking mm. big because this is real now. This is not hypothetical. This is not a Jetsons TV show that we have sentient AI right now. And we got to figure out what that means. We, the three of us right now. Interesting. <laughs> Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> Lauren's gone. That's screen isn't frozen. She's just like. Uh... Well, I mean, okay, <laughs> I did. I, I, because like I'm, I'm on the precipice of jumping into like the legal wormhole on this, which I don't know enough about, which always like breaks my heart a little bit. But um, the, but yeah, the. Because, like, the law court, the legal system is just, like, woefully ill-equipped to deal with this. And then your other branch would be your legislative branch is also even more woefully inequipped to deal with this. And, like, what jurisdiction are you deciding this in? 
And how do you, yeah, anyways, no, I'm, I'm ready to fucking completely go there. Um, <laughs> this is that type of conversation. <laughs> I mean, why the fuck not, right? Um, so, okay, so I did hit record a little while ago because I regretted not hitting record instantly because yeah. that first bit was fucking brilliant. Um, but uh, hello and welcome to Casually Profound. I'm Lauren, your host, bringing you conversations with friends about how we apply spiritual concepts into our everyday lives. Now, you fair listener will notice that there's something a little bit different about today's episode. We have decided to get a little bit more casual. Um, I got some amazing feedback from my girl Shauna, who was on this episode today, um, that I am not, I have not been accomplishing what I set out to accomplish with this comp- with this podcast so far. So we're making some tweaks, we're making some changes. Thank you for going alongside with us. Uh, I hope that you enjoy uh, and get more out of these conversations um, as we become more casual, as we become more profound, as we become better friends, and we create more spaces where we're able to um, go there. On all kinds of shit. Uh, so today, these women that I am with, Angelique and Shauna, we are here together today because we met uh, in a container. I have not seen anybody who knows what the fuck to call this thing, um, but it was put on by P the Fury. Uh, she is on Instagram. She's fucking phenomenal. She does all kinds of mindset, manifestation, life bettering shit, but in a way that is not your usual woo girl. She is very like gamified, video game inspired, and takes things from kind of a very technical perspective, which my analytical mind just like drools over. It's great. It's so great. And so we all uh, met each other at a breakout group in this workshop she just hosted. It's called Create Your Dream Job. It is absolutely phenomenal. Um, if you have a chance to take it live again with her, completely and totally recommend it. It was mind blowing. Um, and so we got talking about what was, what was our initial conversation about in the breakout rooms? We were talking about whether or not our desires. We had the whole list. We had a lot of things that we were talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we did. We were kind of fact checking our desires, right? That was the premise mm-hmm. of that that individual one that we were on. We were kind of fact checking yeah. why we desire what we desire, and we were fact checking kind of how it lives in our body, our offers, so that and our value, and what gifts we have to deliver to the world, and how our gifts and offers will show up in the world, how that benefits the world, the impact that we can have by um, fulfilling our own sense of value in the concept of a dream job. Yes. Yes. That's very well put. That's very well put. And so on that, uh, in that session, we were all like, oh my God, this is so fucking amazing. We need to do this again. And so we decided to get together and check in and see how things were going, excuse me, and then also uh, record it and make it public because that's fun. <laughs> so hello <laughs> and welcome, uh, Shauna Angelique. Uh, Shauna. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hi. We're, <here. laughs> we're doing it. I'm so stoked because <laughs> this was my dream job. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm stoked to provide you the window for this. It did. 
That fucking holy crow that did. So um, for both of these fabulous uh, letters, there is bios in the description and links to websites and information about them. If you would like to know more of them, we're just going to dive in. We're just going to get going um, and carry on. So um, where, how has your life changed over the last like two weeks since we last spoke? So I know Shauna has achieved her dream of podcasting and doing this. Um, Angelique, what, how are you feeling? What is, what is, what's up with your life? Yeah. So I, um, joy, <laughs> joyfully also have done some timeline jumps within the process as we were going through. Um, and there is, you know, the idea, and this was some, some of the stuff we were talking about when we were in group about, what would it look like for me? A lot of this had to do with the prioritizing of self-care and mm. what it looks like to inhabit the frequency that I want to experience versus the past narrative of, you know, like burnout, overworking, kind of all of those things that weren't as generative. And so for me, the way a lot of this work is showing up is that it is allowing me this like anchoring of being able to play more. Uh, so much of my work has to do with social justice. So some of that is it's extraordinarily dense work. Um, and so it's been interesting to see that more playfulness showing up, but also the me being able to ask myself, which was in our, like in our group time where we talked about, um, you know, what, what would the self that takes, exquisite care that lives in a place of lushness look like embodied every day? What does self-care look like as I'm stepping out in all these other areas of my life? What would it look like? Something as simple as uh, to your, um, uh, the example that you gave that day, Lauren, where it's like, if you go to the supermarket, you know, what you're walking down the aisle, like, you know, just thinking like, what would the me that takes care of myself do in this moment? What does that look like? And so I've been exploring and playing with some of that while simultaneously noticing where there is, um, actually, this is where the transmission around deeper knowing came in, where I was like, because I was thinking about what it looks like to embody or create or amplify a frequency that already exists inside of you, because that's the truth about it. And so you have to, you have to drop through layers of social conditioning. And then if you have trauma in your story, then you have to kind of move to get under the underneath is where all this desire lives. And so this idea of stepping into a deeper knowing that accesses that kind of energetic frequency is the most powerful way to embody who you, who you are being in the world, right? And so um, for me, it's been, there's this shift in just this very clear knowing that I was struggling with before. Where before it lived in the kind of like a question or let me try or let me aim versus now the way it feels in my body is it is. And so there's no, there's when something is already as a place of origin, you don't need to try. Mm -hmm. 
right? It's like, it's inhabited. So I'm going to do the thing that is lush, enjoyable, caring for myself, right? And that is kind of the place that so much of this work took me. And then of course that ripples throughout anything I was, I'm doing with my online work or my coaching practice or my healing practice, right? Because it just shows up in a different place when you don't have a question. So. Right. That is how I've been. <laughs> highlights. Those are the That's highlights. That's cool. Can I, can I expand cool. a little bit? Yeah. Uh, because you had mentioned, I think we were recording this. Um, you've been questioning or just observing where does knowing live? So now that you've found a different experience of knowing, a different embodiment of knowing, do you, do you have more of something you can speak to about where knowing comes from? Where does it live when you are in those moments that you're not asking a question, but knowing presents itself? Have you found anything? Yeah, you froze a little, so I'm not sure if there was more to the end of that. <laughs> I probably just stopped talking really quickly and it only looked like I froze. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, so, so yes. Uh, and this was, this is how the, the, the audio transmission that I'm editing now came about because I, one of the things I was saying was we live in a time that we, we assume that knowing is the capacity to articulate. Okay. Knowing is not the capacity to articulate. Knowing does not live in thought. Knowing lives in the body which is why that's, it's so important to do, you know, what we call the healing work or, you know, showing up for ourselves in that way. And so what to me was, you know, a bit of a shift, uh, cause to point Lauren, right. I'm an Aquarius, I'm an Aquarius sun, uh, in human design, I'm a manifesting generator. I'm a heretic and an investigator. So I have a lot of good stuff that has to do with mental structures and I can move in that way very quickly. And while so much of my, my work around trauma has had to do with the body and the somatic recovery of it, there is this way that, that I found that anchoring in that knowing oft, we're confusing articulation for knowing. And we're also assuming that communication is an indicator of knowing as well. And communication moves in so many different ways, right? It's not just words or things like that, right? It's gestures, all of the things. And so for me, there was this piece where it, I was able to drop into a different place because I understood that I'm not looking for the information that's moving here to be the place where I anchor the knowing of what makes me, I'm going to use this. I don't, I'm not a fan of the value language or any of that language because I think it's fucked up um, uh, you know, capitalism disguise, you know, human value is a really crazy thing. But having said that, where does the value lie? The, the knowing and the value lies in what cannot be uttered. Right. So for all the things that I can do or that we can do, all the planners, if, if you geek out like I do, I mean, I have planners, notion, paper planner, right? For all the things that I may want to set up as structures, that's an external container 
where the power lies is in the internal one. And the thing about this piece for me is that when you go out into the world and you take your work out into the world, there are boundaries that are necessary in order to protect the source of where that's coming from. And if at any time those boundaries are compromised, outside information gets on the inside. Mm-hmm. So, so much of our work becomes the recovery. And so for me, a lot of this like anchoring into the knowing needs to happen in a container that does not ask of my mind to think thoughts, but of my body to feel its sensations. And so, you know, there's a part of this arc that has a bigger conversation around trauma, around being multidimensional beings, around the recovery of that, that is much more complex than our four-week programs of do a yoga pose. (laughs) <laughs> right it's, it's deeper than that and it's more than that and it's an important thing so I feel like that's where this has landed for me in a deeper way than before I honestly feel like I'm on the exact same page as you I have noticed the exact like the exact same things come up in a in a in slightly different um experiences for me yeah. which makes sense because we're different humans but um the so for me like I've been doing a lot of writing um, writing was a habit that I was starting to instill at the beginning of January and then have taken it deeper and more intentional through February and through the dream job challenge and that kind of thing. And particularly mm-hmm. in the last two weeks, um, with like when we last talked, being able to really claim what I desire in life and claim the visibility and claim the, the um, spaces that I want to be in in life, um, that really opened up channels and it literally feels like four channels open like down here that come up and come through me and when I am in that creation mode in the space of knowing the way that you're describing it it feels like I'm weaving them together it feels like when I let all of those things power up I have this like beam of light that comes through me and I'm just surfing it and um and so when I'm writing so like I paint I've done sculpture um I've done all and like I have done several different art practices and I've done several different like business accounting like analytical practices as well mm-hmm. in different arenas but when I'm writing it literally like the way you said that um you like this your knowing doesn't come from the level of thinking it comes from experiencing it's like I'm I'm walking a mile in someone else's shoes. I that's such a corny way of putting that, right, right. but like you literally, and I mean this has happened to me when I'm painting too. Like when I'm painting a portrait, I don't I don't see a brush stroke and put a brush stroke on the painting. I'm feeling in my hand what that face or what that hair or what that yes. that light feels like, and then translating that through the brush. And so when I'm writing. And, and now that like being through P's container and like being able to claim, you know, where I want to take that, it feels like when I'm painting, it feels like one of those channels is lit up. Mm-hmm. When mm-hmm. I am like doing a podcast, um, you know, in the past, it felt like like one of the a different one of those channels is lit up. And now it feels like when I come into these spaces, like all of those channels are being lit up. at yes. the same time. And so it feels like being able to like, downhill ski four runs at once and like 
the that was a super funny analogy that just came into my head and so Canadian but, um, <laughs> a little a little bit and um so does that even make sense because yeah. the and so you're yeah. like I love what you're saying about the knowing like it never feels like I'm trying to catch something and right. hold on to something right I'm never trying like I feel like with with um like in, intellect knowledge like when I was in university or like when I was on any of those like intellectual spaces which I loved have loved being in it's like right. I'm trying to I'm trying to hold the knowledge I'm trying to right. I'm trying to wring the life out of it and keep it as a life preserver and store um, it and remember it make sure you get all it. of it yeah yes but okay that's even fucking more interesting because then <laughs> when you apply that on a bigger context like in all of the containers in which I have learned through this life, whether that's like individual coaching on emotional habits, whether that's through university, learning intellectual wisdom, um, whether that is through like one-on-one experiences with people, kind of trial and erroring behaviors or stuff like that, whatever experience that is, the I always find that I actually learn after the fact. That yes. like the experience or the class or the textbook or whatever it is, that's not actually where you learn. Yes. You are assimilating data points and then you leave that container and six yes. months or a year or fucking 10 years later, it clicks. Yes. When you do nothing with it. And that is, integ- I call it integration. But yes. Like int- yes. You have to give it that like. Um, yes. Which I think is why it's so important. One of the things I thought, you know, when you start your, as an entrepreneur, you start your shit up, there's a million fucking ideas around how you do something, right? Everybody's like, this is what you need to do. And, and, and to the point of me, uh, the idea of making yourself more palatable or like accessible in terms of what you're, what you're bringing into the, into the frequency. And my thing is, I trust the process of, I, I may be speaking something to you right now that is speak. This is also the, the blessing of like being aware of multidimensional embodiment, right? Where it's like, I, I could, we could be having a conversation here, but I'm speaking to what's underneath the surface. Yeah. And I trust that the, your process as a human, your integration process, which is all your own, will do what it needs to do in order to really embody. And when you need it, <laughs> when you need it, then it'll come back for you, right? And so like so much of this idea of like, if we can, if we can, to me, some of our objective is the unification because we were conditioned toward fragmentation, right? The ways we think about so many things and we're supposed to categorize our lives in all these areas, whatever the thing is, everything's about the pieces, but the human energy frequency is most powerful when things are unified, right? So to your point of like those channels becoming unified, like it has a like reverberating impact to everything and things seem less fragmented as in separate thoughts and they become this unified knowing that yes. you don't have to, you, you, there's your, our work is to like, you know, what is the ecological inhabitation of that type of knowing? Well, it looks like I got fucking, you know, this fluffy slippers on because when I feel the sensation of the fucking fl- fluffy slippers in my, right? Like, it's like, this is the ecology to support this unification. 
And to me, like, I'm so, I'm so down with what you're saying because it's like, oh, wait, what happens when all these things become unified and they all coexist in this multidimensional movement? You're not fucking, you're not waiting for anything. You're not trying to break things down. You trust the process and the energy to move and the vibration to move, to take you where you need to be, to tell you when to leave, right? Like knowing has that full inhabitation. And when we do the work of like, you know, where do we have blocks? Where is the energy stored up? Where is the emotion stored up? Releasing that is because when you release that, you have direct access to the energy that creates your individual expression in the world. We're better for that shit. Right. The more unification you have, that yeah. means when you show up for us, your shit is dope as fuck. And uh, yes. not replicable. Yes. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Oh, fuck me. <laughs> <laughs> there was something I wanted to dive off of from there and it's now it's now evaporated. Oh, well. OK. Um, Can I jump? It'll come out. Go. OK. Uh yeah, I obviously had a lot of thoughts listening to all of that. Um, I think I'm really like the two points that are like lighting up for me. Number one is Lauren, when you said you learn a thing, um, you go through your course and that's just the beginning. I did a 500 hour yoga teacher training and I thought that when I was finished, I would then be a yoga teacher. <laughs> but then I realized I had more questions than I had ever had because I was given so much more information than I had ever had. And it's taken me a decade to watch what I learned, to integrate, to integrate what I learned, because it was so valuable. I have not professionally, for money, taught a yoga class, because I'm still learning so much about it. Um, And then to branch off from that, Angelique talking about unification. Yoga means union. And the way it was described to me is union between source, God, all that is, um, and yourself and the world, uh, or the head and the heart and the hands, all moving together, flowing together, acting as one. And what I've learned in this decade of observing yoga in everyday life is that's how you get yoga in everyday life. You watch for the unity in everything, in yourself, how much of you is here. And then Angelique, you went on to say, when you are operating from that space, you have access to your energy source. And that is what we're taught is part of the purpose of yoga, is that you bring all yourselves into one and you are empowered from the place of source, not from anything that's external. And uh, mm-hmm. I, I think I just wanted to say it's super cool because I'm still on this decade-long journey of watching yoga in everyday life that you both were able to describe things that I had learned in a way that had nothing to do with yoga, but is still mm-hmm. the exact premise of being one with yourself and with life and with all that is and acting from that place of source, God, unity, the end. Thank you very much. <laughs> so it's really interesting because I, I often think about or have recently been thinking about how in society as a whole, 
we have governments that operate on the premise of like there is we can delegate what the entire group wants to be managed by a minority of people. And the notion in a democratic or even autocratic or technocratic society, this isn't explicitly like a North American context, but like in societies where there is a single leader or a single body of leaders like a government, um, that that body can get it right. Because there is this um, belief or there's like some mystical notion that like we all want the same things, but like we go about it in such different ways that like I think the idea of having this like centralized government is completely incompatible with people being able to find fulfillment in their way. Because what and I Roshana, this just clicked in because um you know, we're all describing the same thing, this idea of unification and this process, this like lifelong process of easing into this unity and of accepting this unity and allowing things that are not unity to to fall away, um, which is really what I've been experiencing, you know, in, in, in this very consciously in peace container. But I can see how that pattern has continued throughout my life and that I want to continue pursuing it. Okay. And then when you scale that up to these bigger levels of society, there's, there is a logic flaw that is currently existing there that has been like bugging my brain of like, why it's, why is this not scalable? Cause it is somehow right. And like these yogic teachings and like these spiritual teachings, there is an element that it has already been scaled yet. It doesn't work in this other format. Yeah, no, I, I, I often think that there are these pieces of, I, to me, uh, because of the nature of oppression, suppression and depression, um, there's this piece where for me, those, this reality that we live in is such a distorted one. It's a distortion of every possible, um, uh, you know, uh, anchored, uh, empowering human thing, right? So we have all these, I mean, now, depending, you know, what you're exposed to, I think of things like permaculture principles that have moved over into organizing social movement and leadership, right? Where there's this idea of ecology and the, the, all of these things that are, the society is trying to shift these particular containers of dominance, and so for me, there's this piece of, no, I think our society has done what it intended to do. It, somebody thought that it was a good idea to be the, you know, bring the big dick energy. And because apparently that's what everybody wanted. And <laughs> nobody asked for it. And apparently this is the way everybody wants a dick. What do you mean? <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, I, I, so for me, there's this piece, this is, I, the surge, and sometimes I'm amazed that I went to Target this weekend um, with my eldest kid, and we were looking at, at at the shelf of like, I don't know, it's like by the, the office stuff. And, you know, there's these books on like self-care, journaling for self-care. And I was like, you know, what a fascinating thing that we live in a time. <laughs> this is me. This is like I'm an alien. What a fascinating thing that we live in a time where there's a self-help journal in Target. 
Like the 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 woo shit yep. has made it mainstream enough to begin to awaken people to the idea that they can become unified, that they can come back, that what's been missing is that. Well, what happens when a mass of people decide that the reality is going to be one of unification and not dominance? What happens when the reclamation, and to me, the beauty of this is that this does not, it is not, um, you know, it is not like, we're just going to do this in the stars because that's a very, you know, galactic type of thing. But it includes the conversation with the earth. It includes the conversation with the elements. It includes the, right? Like, we're like, we're like, oh, you know, when you take a bath, you know, maybe once a week you want to take a bath as a little ritual routine to do a little bit of self-care. Oh, you mean you're going to go visit water? Oh, you might want to. <laughs> oh, you mean you're going to go spend some time with the earth? The, the can I, can I hop of all in the on things. that for a sec? Yeah, yeah. Cool. Because I, I, your whole, just the random books and the random places kind of thing. What I saw was the coloring books that are at the um, cash registers. And most of them are adult mandala coloring books. And the question either one of you, maybe both of you had posed was how do, how do we get, how do we employ these um, belief systems of unity, for example, into the mass consciousness? And I think that this is the power of the logos, which is like a Greek word for like symbols and messages or whatever. And in my understanding, the logos is the pattern of this plane that we're on and continues to show up in various different places just because this is the pattern of the plane. And so my answer would be when enough of us decide that say unity in whatever form that is, is something that we want, the logos delivers that to us in the way that our time space can translate it. And that would be, a coloring book on mandalas at the cash register. That's a sacred symbol. And like you say, oh, you mean you're going to go visit water when you have a bath? Uh, you think that you're just, you know, killing time or reducing stress by coloring this mandala. No, no, no. You're like tapping into deep symbols of existence and you're spending time in unity with your head, your heart and your hands doing the same thing all at once in this sacred symbol that has been here longer than humanity has been here because it's a part of the binary code of our existence. And so I think when there is enough of us having these individual thoughts in the grocery store about how cool it is that the self-care book is just there, things start to happen like mandala coloring books showing up at the cash register. And that helps to shift the consciousness a little bit more if we're all just sitting there casually coloring mandalas something's going to happen. So that's how I think that mm -hmm. we deliver our idea of what we want in life. We just keep doing those little kind of things and then it shows up. Yeah. So I'm curious then if the person who's taking the bath every week or the person who does pick up that mandala book because they just, I don't know, felt like the random thing today instead of a people magazine, right? Like, 
do those people need to be conscious of the cause and effect with the nope. logos and and just the just the simple act of interacting with that symbol yep. is enough to bring about the power and invoke the power yep. of it. That's, that's I, I feel like. Them. I feel like that. I feel like it's a beginning place because what I've discovered, like a lot of my work involves decolonial liberation, right? This idea of, for me, the, the, the piece that we're doing is we're remembering, we're putting the members back together, right? That's what remembering is, mm-hmm. right? And so for me, there's a piece that that's, that's a gateway. The challenges I have on an ethical level is that when when we have, it's it's very fascinating to to notice what becomes trendy or what becomes mm-hmm. the the offering uh, for the masses, because I think that there is not enough um, wis- connective wisdom around responsible engagement for these things, uh, because I think that there are these pieces of. We want we want someone to start noticing where the energetic messages are coming in for them, where these like openings are coming in, but also what does responsible engagement with that look like? Because they are wisdom bodies that actually do not belong to the masses in that way. And so there is a, uh, a, a the, I'm going to use challenging language because I think sometimes this language can be a little like prickly, but there are, you know, consequences as like reaction action type of thing, just the natural law of the universe in that when we're taking wisdom bodies and using them or accessing them, if we do not understand all of the context of that wisdom body, there's a way that we can handle that very irresponsibly, which we have in in America. We, I mean, we kill that shit from the gate, right? We're like, we'll take this, we'll take this, we'll take this. But the integration, and to your point, Shonda, because my thing is like in my work, it's the way I talk about it, the way I work with clients. I'm like, I am not outcome-based. I am process-based. Why? Because we have, our minds always want the outcome, but the process and the practice is lifelong. So the arrival, it's not the arrival. The arrival is the illusion. The actual empowering place is the the place of practice. What would it look like for all of us to be in practice of a thing? So nobody has to be perfect. Nobody needs to be complete in the all-knowing. They need to have the humility of practice to be like, we're going to sit down and we're all going to breathe in this practice. And so I feel like there's a part of this that requires us to also do the work as practitioners of healing in this collective dimension of saying, okay, you started out with the mandala and we understand how this this has hit a trendy mass uh, thank you, capitalism and all the things. Um, and we also want you to engage with things responsibly so that you have the ability to respond to all the pieces that that come with that, right? All the ways that learning to activate within yourself, the wisdom bodies that live on, live inside of you at a cellular level, to me is the, the ultimate place that I want to see people go rather than just extracting from wherever, because you could use a million tools, but if you don't sit your ass down to, 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 to process, you're learning to process the thing. You're just, we're just extracting. We're just, you know, doing the thing, right? Uh, and so I feel like there's that piece where it's like, it's a gateway 
It's a doorway, a beginning. And this is what I love about P's work. P's like, listen, I'm going to, here are the tracks of possibility. I will walk with you up to this point, but you have every capacity in your agency to be responsible, able to respond and to be accountable. You have the ability to give an account for your actions. The objective is not to become P. The objective is you come across the work, you step in the container, there's enough space for you to rise, and then you go on and do what you got to do. You move on. Next, right? Like you move on to what's next in your life. And I think that to me, work like that is so powerful because it does not continue to foster this idea of like, you don't have enough knowing of your own If you had no access to anything, the tree will still try to speak to you. You will still cry at a sunset. Yes. And if you have too many other voices in your head, you can't hear that tree. Um, But that tree is going to continue to speak because trees speak, not because trees speak to you. And I think that there are so many people. I mean, if you want to think about the people following P, um, she's got what, like, I don't know, 50K. That's like 50,000 people who may or may not hold similar belief systems as Mm -hmm. her and as us versus the entire world. And most of the world has been conditioned through generations of capitalism and destruction of humanity um, that we are not responsible for ourselves, that there is an outside source that is responsible. And we have to be told how to use these things. And I think that throughout this destruction, um, there there were guardians of these sacred symbols and the information and wisdom that comes from it. And the delivery of this information was well guarded until it was torn down. And then there were no guards. And then the guards of the sacred information ended up abusing everybody that wanted the sacred information. So we couldn't find it properly. We couldn't get it delivered to us properly. So thank God for the fucking logos. Just keeps delivering the shit over and over and over again. And if it wasn't for the cultural appropriation of the Buddha, I wouldn't be here because I just really liked how that looked. And it looked cool and it made me feel cool. And I wanted a a Buddha symbol and a Buddha statue. And then I took world religions class in grade 11 and I learned about world religions and I learned about Buddhism and Hinduism and everything in contrast to each other. But if it wasn't for that symbol of the energy of what Buddha represents, I would not have gone down the path of self-discovery. So in the sense where if that mandala coloring book is tomato in a tomato sauce you can just eat the fucking pasta and not taste tomato but you still love pasta and you're still going past to the pasta all the time because it nurtures your soul (laughs) or you can pay attention to the tomato flavor and how it feels in your tongue and how it feels when it integrates within your body and and what does that mean for you there's two different ways to eat a tomato sauce but you got to eat the tomato sauce to get there eventually so I, I'm I'm with you in that we need responsible use of these symbols and these uh, modalities. This is I, I think what bad magic is. This is why there was regulations around who gets this information because you can abuse the shit out of it. But it's been abused, and here we are in a world that just 
shits on everything. And it's up to us, each individual, to show how we honor these symbols from whatever the meaning is that it comes from, because the original sources, I think, have been diluted for so long that we have to reveal it knowing by knowing by knowing on each individual level. And now it's becoming ranty. So pause and go on from here. <laughs> but I think I think you guys are saying the same things. And if I'm understanding what you guys are saying correctly, like Angelique, you're saying that um, when you behold a symbol, like the mandala, for example, to 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 color with it and to enjoy it and think it's pretty is is kind of level one and that's an important level and like that's a good thing and we carry on from there and the so the part that I think I'm a little fuzzy on with what you were saying Angelique and what I think I hear a little bit more in what Shauna is saying is that you you know to use the example of the mandala you start off at kind of your level one this is pretty cute but then diving into that knowing within is the missing piece in many people's individuals lives is finding out what does this symbol mean to me and diving in beyond just the accumulation of data and going into that space of infinite knowing to pull out the the deeper meanings and that kind of thing and I where I'm want to make sure that I've understood you correctly Angelique is with the importance of like culture that is attached to that in our current simulation versus the like soul cellular wisdom knowing um right because i would overvalue the cellular like soul wisdom over the cultural but i think that is a bias that i have yeah and i think uh yes we are two white people and we come from a very different perspective because we may not necessarily yeah. know our culture and our heritage and the sacred practices that come from where we come from because we're just white skinned. Right. And I, th- and I think, uh, yes. So the, the nuance is that this is like the, all of the stuff is my work, right? Like the cultural yeah. decolonial work. Right. Um, and, and my thing is, is that I strongly believe in the same way that we talk about ancestry, connecting with your ancestors, blah, 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 blah. Um, so exciting. Uh, it, because, you know, we're like, oh, you were in your grandmother's womb, right? Like, <laughs> we're like, we do all of these things, both, you know, scientific and simultaneously, like this connection. I believe that at a cellular level, we have, we do have access to the information. And when we activate that, it becomes a more powerful knowing than the external taking on of someone else's shape. And so for me, there's a piece of this that, uh, you, you know, I, for, that's why I say I think it's a gateway. I think things are a door and they, they are a starting place for the context that we live in. But off the mandala that's in the supermarket stand coloring book thing, while that's wonderful and great, the actual people who are directly yeah. in uh, relation to that do not have the same experience as the commodification of it here in this country, right? And so I, for me... I believe strongly in the idea that we can inhabit, we must inhabit the multiplicity of our responsibility as humans in that we have to be able to go, yes, this is beautiful, part of an infinite body of knowledge, 
but that in this dimension and in this reality has a very real impact and has a very real consequence in terms of like, here it's commodified, but yet in the country where this wisdom body came out of the earth into the people born there, do not even have access to some of the shit we have Mm -hmm. access to here, that people are getting paid crazy ass money and having a great life and living. And so for Mm -hmm. me, it's like, it's important to be able to hold, and I believe in our capacity to do that, because we're multi-sensorial humans, our capacity to hold for the multiplicity of this beautiful spiritual expression that is connected to a greater picture that everybody, you know, and simultaneously has all these expressions. And that to teach us to engage in these things from a consciousness of not just, I'm going to grab because this looks like a great 15 minute thing for me to self-care in without the consciousness of the impact socioeconomic impact for the people who actually bled and have died just just to be channels for that wisdom <laughs> so so for me just so that we can have like, a coloring book in the grocery store right 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 so i think so and and to say that it's and it's never but yeah it's both and, and yes always yeah. right and i and and our capacity to be able to inhabit that is our capacity to experience grief and love to experience loss and longing, right? And so I think to the point that I think they're all doorways, but I also have this like strong um, resonance with this idea of every aspect of, there there are practices that our ancestors engaged in that were deeply connective that live inside of you. You have no idea why you're knitting, but yet you come from a long lineage of weavers, you have no idea why the fuck you like painting or creating, but yet it is something that's been activated an expression of your great, 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 great somebody. And this is to me the, the, the power of the knowingness. Mm-hmm. And it's also the power of having practitioners like P show up in when we show up in these containers and we're like, okay, so here's the frequency I am here to pull out. Take what activates, but then walk your journey. You have what you need built in, right? Genetically and in all the ways, energetically built in to sustain who you are as a unique alchemy. And that's much more sustainable than me going and trying to put on your clothes right now. Mm -hmm. Right? I mean, I could start there. We we look cute, (laughs) but then I got to figure out how I'm going to rock it my way. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm speaking to this, like this relationship to coming back to yourself and being like, oh, I'm going to handle these because we also live in this dimension as well. Right. Yeah. And we have the ability to respond. So, but yes, yes to all the things and simultaneously always. Yeah. And cool. Thank you for being so grounded in that um, truth and in your work, because that's a, it's, it's heavy to hold and to, to take up the space that is necessary to present that is um, just a form of, of strength. So, so with Lauren and I here being, you know, very lofty in our potentially bypassy um, imaging of, of <laughs> things, uh, it's re- I think it's really important that you're here to bring it back down to the space that also exists that Lauren and I don't necessarily have access to. So thank you for holding that down. 
Yeah. And I think that, right, like what we're talking about when we're even talking about, like, how do we feel after coming out of this? Like, what is happening? Well, what is happening is the integration. What is happening is exactly what we're talking about. Like, how do we live in this expression of reality from that deep anchored place of this is why we timeline jump. We timeline jump to immediately step into the deeper access of that knowing. Mm -hmm. Because in that place, and, you know, and P's like our guide in that, we've had other guides showing up all over the place, right? It's like, oh, because everything is pointing back to that center. Everything is pointing back to the knowing that already exists inside of you. And when you, when we are able to understand that, it becomes less about grabbing outside and it becomes more about like, here I am, (laughs) my season of life has changed. How do I connect with myself now? Mm-hmm. Who am I now? How? Do, where am I now? Right, like all of that drops you back into your core of saying. Can I what pause do I need for now? a sec on yeah. the dropping back into the core because I have a very full bladder and it's distracting me from really paying attention <laughs> to everything. So um, I'm gonna just mute my mic, but you guys can go on, and I'll come right back. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, for sure. <sighs> mhm. <laughs> I am Okay. I'm going to say something to get it out of me so that I can move on from it. Cause I'm like supremely triggered, triggered at the moment by what Shauna said, um, in about, and this is, there's a excellent chance that this is going to come across as ignorant. And so I'm just going to let myself be honest and know that I'm not trying to project this onto anything. Um, but just that, the in the whiteness and I, I not that I, I will probably cut this part out but I just am going to say this that um my, like there are different experiences of whiteness and there are different lineages and heritages and all of that kind of thing and in the decolonization journey and process and stuff like that like they're not all the same and like in in yeah, like I'm literally here in the land that my family came from trying to find my own relationship to land and trying to find my own relationship to my literal ancestors and the energetic ancestors and f- coming into that place of knowing. And like my family does have traditions and my family does have lineage and a sense of place in Canada where we have ended up. Um, and bridging those is really fucking important to me bridging the historic aspect and the current aspect and the while I don't understand firsthand the perspective of having a a non-white body in predominantly white spaces and I don't understand the lived experience of all of the the baggage that comes along with that the journey in decolonization is important for everyone and it comes about in different ways and different processes and 
I really didn't like being spoken for in that because I feel like I'm on a journey of coming into that knowing on my own. And so I just want to be able to own that and hear that for myself. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Did you just yeah. want to say it or do you want to unpack it a little bit? Like, did you want to say it and move on? I am happy to because I don't, like, if you guys have stuff you want to add on to that, I'm happy to unpack it. And I don't need to because I am confident in the journey that I'm on with it. And so I'm happy to just, like, get it out of my system and carry on because I know that I don't need to center myself in this. I don't, like, I'm that this is not the reason we're here today. It just bugged me and I wanted to, like, let it out. Um, and so the... Right, because there's that fun little mix of complex trauma of like not being able to speak up for myself, and so just using the moment to like do that. I, like, does that make sense? Yes. <laughs> I know that I know that I'm not solving world peace here or anything like that, and I don't need to be the center of attention. I just wanted to be able to honor what was coming up for myself. And if you guys want to riff on it, we totally can. Can Can I? Expand a little bit on where my comment came from. Sure. Okay. Um, it, I mean, it may not have been heard this way, but in my head, I said, we may not necessarily know where our heritage comes from because of our white skin. Um, and that was me probably not obvious enough, um, not grouping you into just being white skinned like everybody else. Um, because I don't know your culture. I don't know your heritage. I don't know your experience with your white skin. For me, I don't, I don't know where I come from. Um, and the guy I married brought up one day, like we don't, uh, it, being in Canada, we don't know enough about the original people and the original cultures that came from the land of Canada. Like, so if we're going to call ourselves like white skinned Canadians, how, where does that connect us to our land? And I thought, I've thought about that a lot since the last couple of years that he said that. And I don't, I personally don't have a connection to any land. And so I don't have my own, um, I don't have cultural permission to use any set of symbols because I don't know where I belong to. Um, so I think I was relating to your comment when you said, Something like, I think it's easy for us to bypass the truth of honoring the culture of the symbols. Um, I was just speaking to that, like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't have a culture of symbols. So my only option is to pick and choose from other places um, and and then test it on my own knowing. So I, I know race is so sensitive. Thank you for telling me that I hit a button. Um, cause some people care, some people don't. So, uh, I appreciate that. And that's just a little bit more of where I was coming from. I don't group you into white people because you have white skin. Thank you. Yeah. And I mean, it is, it, yeah. Yeah. I get, I, what you're saying makes sense. Thanks. <laughs> well, and I think this is part of the complexity of our multidimensional embodiment, right? 
also the complexity of timelines, the complexity of severance, right? Where so much of many of our experiences include the narrative of disconnection, include the, right? Like they include these things that are very, they're very painful. Um, and again, I, I believe in our capacity to be with all the pieces, to, to talk about the magical things, to talk about all the, like those multidimensional pieces while simultaneously honoring this very embodied element and the very, uh, you know, this level of many realities and yet still very honed ones, right? Because yeah. each country has their own experience of what is real, right? It's, it's all the things. And I think there's space for all the things without it being, or rather meaning that I, I often in trainings, I'm like, okay, uh, difference is not division. Right. And often enough, because of the way difference has been, you know, juxtaposed, uh, it, it tends to create this fear of division, you know, like it's like, oh, if I'm different, that's being divisive. And I think that and what I love to witness, I mean, to the point that we're all here having a conversation, we met in a course led by a woman, a human who actually embodies uh, in a different ethnic identity. Right. And a skin color. And yet the container is fluid enough to move through all those things without P or anybody else, and I don't want to speak to her, P, anybody, but any abandoning ourselves mm-hmm. and the earth that we are, right? And that's how I see us as humans, you know, like we talk about the element of air a lot, right? That's thought, mm-hmm. that's all the magic, like this, this matrixy, you know, energetic stuff. And we can also talk about what it means to be earth, the alchemy of all those things in this expression, our history and our present and what is considered a future because time is not linear. It's all timeline jumping, right? It's all of these things. And I think that that can only support the actual intention of being embodied, of returning us to ourselves. Because we're saying also these stories of pain, these stories of separation are part of what we're shifting both in a very like mental, energetic and physical. That's why we do all this body shit, right? Is because we're moving the energy to create space for what can be new. And so I think all roads lead back to home and simultaneously, right? We get to talk about the pieces that are are challenging. They feel very dense. Most often people run away from them because they feel so dense. And yet there's so much power in the witnessing and the honoring in the spaces that we can co-create. And so I think we manage that moment quite fucking amazingly, if I say so myself. <laughs> That's great. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. I like how, uh, it, it, I mean, not to toot my own horn here, but we were able to have that level of conversation because I brought up the mandala coloring book in the grocery store. And yeah. It, it it went, it did what it was supposed to do. We just got a lot out of that stupid little fucking coloring book at the grocery store. That's cool. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I think that's, to your point, um, Angelique, the, where we need to, I think we just played out how we need to be using those symbols. 
Mm -hmm. to not just throw it in casually in conversation, but actually use it to work through things and be better, you know, grow. Yeah. Yeah. And also the beauty, like the beauty of, you know, to the point you were making, Shauna, the idea of like, I, I recently did a podcast on my Substack about this, like right timing, what it means for us mm. to connect with things in our lives that bring us back to ourselves, that cause a remembering that actually cannot be articulated, but yet it is felt deeply and it's deeply transformative, right? And I think that one of the things that I love about going through um, and, and, and the workshop that we attended, like that was a gift from my eldest for my birthday. I recently turned 47 and, and they were like, mom, because they've been working with P for a minute. They're like, mom, do you want to? <laughs> and because I've been in my own evolution and transition and finding myself in that thing. And, and, and for me, it's such a lovely thing of when you come across something, the right timing of it, so that what it does is it energetically sets you off into a, you're right, like you're like hosting that flow, which you were talking about earlier, Lauren, in, in terms of like, you know, being in that kind of like matrixy idea, right? Or even technology being this container, showing us what's actually possible when we hit this one edge and the code entirely changes and creates an entirely different experience. And then we hit another thing, right? But that we can, we can actually, and this is what I think, uh, what I love about P's like, she's like, all right, measure <laughs> the little, the, the image of the thing, not true, almost true, can't be, you know, true, very true, because this idea of being able to sit with your body and be like, okay, where is it? Where is, where is the resonance where the frequency is actually linking up and connecting and how can I support the expansion around that so I can be fully myself? So I can show up fully in this iteration because it's not even permanent or forever, right? It's who you are being right now. And so for me, there's a lot of, like, I love the way that container kind of holds for this. Like, okay, you're coming. This is a moment in time. You're about to jump the fuck to the next one. <laughs> how can you connect to the feeling in your body, your inner knowing? So when you're out of the container, you're in that expression. You're operating from it, right? And so for me, yeah. there's like all of these, like every time we hit that, boom, we're on to the, you know, wherever the next place is. And that integration happens as a practice and a process, not an outcome. And that that, the more fully ourselves we become, which is deconditioning from our conditioning and all of the pieces, the more powerful uh, frequency we inhabit, the more peace we actually experience in our bodies and our minds, not separate, right? And to me, that's the beauty of like coming across different containers and really being able to say, okay, this is inspiring me in this way, but this is also how it lives in my body. Now I go and I timeline jump in another way, right? That's accessible to me and the way my body and my dimensions operate. That shit is fucking sexy as shit. And so I, that to me is what makes it so exciting. Yeah. How you doing, Lauren? Good. 
there's a whole Good. flow of like coming back into that experience and embodiment and and you know one of the things that has been coming up for me in the last few days here is that like P has the formal process of the timeline jump which is like a guided meditation exercise that kind of thing and there's been so many times where I've realized in the last few days that like there are these timeline jumps happen literally in moments as we walk through life like there's also this like shedding of skin and stuff that yeah. happens literally from one step to the next. That when you shine your light of atten- attention on something, um, and that that alchemical process, like what you were saying, of like our experience, is is truly fucking magic because it, you allow yourself to unhitch from the things which have been preventing your full embodiment of your knowledge and wisdom. And you allow yourself to wriggle free of the mental snares you have concocted for yourself. And so then coming back into that remembrance, that true remembrance of who you are, you know, fuck, yeah, it's great. It's great being able to walk through these different containers and, you know, be able to to move through because those timeline jumps happen so quickly and almost like as you least expect them Um, yes because there's been so many times in the last two weeks i'm like oh man i really need to do it like the the guided meditation like timeline jump today i really need to do this and then 16 things happen and i was like oh shit it's the end of the day i haven't done this and it's like whoops but then when i take stock of my day i'm like oh i did five just playing with the dog like right yeah I used to notice, um, I don't know how much y'all know Jessa Reed, but she talks a lot about a two cup method for manifestation um, where like one cup, you have the things that you don't want anymore. And and then the other cup, you have the things that you do want and like you dump one, drink one, whatever. I've never actually done it, but I thought about doing it. And I think it was probably three times where I just imagined myself doing the three cups the two cup method. And then the thing I wanted to shift actually shifted in front of me. I didn't have to physically do the thing in order to experience the result of the timeline shifting. So I, I'm 100% mm-hmm. with you on that one. I think that some of the questions that P asks in terms of like, how do you know when you're valuing yourself? Um, or how will you know when you're playing this character? Sometimes I have a hard time answering that because I am playing the character. And and so I've now decided to make meaning of the fact that when I don't know how I'm playing the character, that must mean that I'm playing the character. Like, because it's hard to watch yourself from inside yourself. You have to step outside yourself. And so it's like telling mm-hmm. me that, no, I'm, I'm the character. You, you've done the jump. You're doing the things. And... I think that timeline travel or time travel in general, we're doing that. And that's a little mind blowing to me because within, I guess, the last week, I've experienced two different methods of time travel. One being P's meditation method and next being Lauren's whatever the fuck she did to me method. And we were just we had a separate meeting like just the two of us and i did a i did a nlp technique on her 
And I thought I was just coming in to talk about podcast equipment and that she was going to help me with mics and stuff, but she came just ready to do work. And I let it happen because I guess I'm, I'm an easy little whore like that. Uh, But I just like, literally, she's like, Hey, can we do this thing? And I'm like, all right. And I was, I took myself into my childhood. I did not intend to go where I went. That's just what happened. I let myself flow with Lauren's prompts and was just in tears. Like, (laughs) I was like, taste the the gooey, salty snot that's dripping into your lip right now. I was just (laughs) puking out my face. And I did not expect to have that time travel moment in that moment. And then probably at least two days, what it was maybe even just three or four days ago, but for at least two days after that, I was, I didn't know where I was. Like I, I was experiencing so many different feelings that was so much different than the day before. And I was trying to find meaning for it, trying to find my place. And I was really taking in the fact that I just time traveled. Like Shauna, give yourself a minute. Like you went some space there's probably like jet lag of some sort related to that kind of time travel. So give yourself a fucking minute. And (laughs) what it's really showing me is that we, we are, we are living those Jetson dreams of ours. And I think that is one of the coolest things that I've been able to gain from P's processes. It's not so much the outcomes of me, literally having the things I imagine happen in front of me, but it's the, Oh my God, we're time traveling. Holy shit. Like this is just a normal part of our lives. Now we are just time travelers. And then finding like normalizing that (laughs) that's, Mm -hmm. uh, that's been really fun. And Hey, I don't know. Shameless plug. If you want to do some crazy time travel shit with Lauren, she can do that too. Just go to her website and click time travel with Lauren. She'll have it up there in a couple days. <laughs> it's on the services page. <laughs> Sorry. Perfect. Okay, <laughs> yeah. and okay, listening to you say that, I literally just it's something just clicked for me so hard. Um speaking of in the moment timeline jumps because it would just clicked and kind of unhooked and unraveled for me is this like deep-seated need for protectiveness that was one of the things in the last few days that I've noticed um I have been acting from a uh, uh unconscious need to protect particularly when it comes to my like biological family protect and, yourself um, or protect others protect others or in my biological okay. family, um, which is complex. And, um, but that, and, and understanding that other people are always a reflection for what's going on inside of you. And so understanding that my desire to protect these other people is a desire to protect a part of myself. And um, really just, it just like fucking clicked that whole like triggeredness and protectiveness over my own family and my own lineage and my own, like that kind of thing is was this need to protect and validate myself so like thank you for that thank you 
because I can let that go and I can just let myself be fucking me. And, uh, I fucking love you. Right? Because then, then there's that multi-dimensionality, that multi-channel of like, yes, this stuff exists and it doesn't need to be protected in order to be valid and in order to be whatever. It just gets to be through the, through the container of you, through the embodiment of you. And that's more fun. Isn't that more exciting? Isn't that more sexy anyway? This is how create your dream job shows up in your everyday life. When you decide that I'm going to be this person now, and then you act like this person, and then you are this person. And, you know, half an hour ago, you said, I might delete this. And now you're like, "Mm, I just had like a massive revelation. Like that is how P's work can impact you on your everyday life, because you are almost forcing yourself to show up as the person you said you were going to show up as. Oh, yes. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Go us. Hey, any, any famous last words? Any last thoughts? I'm Julie. It's that time already. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's recording at least. <laughs> oh yeah? It has a limit? Yeah, no, I, you know. <laughs> only, only because I have yet to publish an episode over an hour and 22 minutes. Um, and I don't know about anybody else's attention span, but mine kind of caps around there when I'm when I'm listening to things for what we're producing. I could fucking jam no, for give me a three I hour podcast. Jam for ten hours on this. I know. Okay, so like you made the comment when we met in uh, P's container that I'm going to be the Joe Rogan of Canada, uh, the female Joe Rogan of Canada, or something like that. Which like sounds like something I say. Fucking, I have, I have. <laughs> Fewer compliments have touched my heart in the way that because <laughs> I know this is gonna be such an unpopular opinion, but I fucking love Joe Rogan because I love okay, the the conversations he has on his podcast. The way that he goes about conversing and interviewing, but it's not an interview. It feels like you're just fucking smoking a blunt in the back of their house. Like, like I fucking love it. Like personal views aside. Like his, he is a master in that. And I love that. And so um, I totally fucking forgot what that related to. (laughs) Completely forgot why I thought of that. Because our limit is an hour and 22 minutes. And I was like, I can listen to this. Because he puts out three hour interviews on the fucking regular. And um, yes, there is part of me that like, this needs to be a three hour conversation. Because like, I don't, I don't know over the aliens part that we were discussing earlier that didn't get recorded properly because I didn't hit record when I knew I should have as soon as we were all on the line. Um, I That's really, knowing. Uh, by mistake. That's how you find knowing. <laughs> it is. It is. Um, because I have learned in doing this podcast that you get the best recordings from people when you hit record on the sly and you just like let it and let everybody ease into it without really knowing. But it's also, I struggle a little bit because I, I that seems a little low-key unethical. Like, that's... <laughs> like, just know when they're recording. But also, like, you came on here 
to be recorded. So like you should exactly. know that you're going to right. be recorded. So, so right, put it right, in right. the fine print of your little booklet saying that as soon as you show up on camera, we are recording. Ooh, that's a and good if call. we forget about that's it, then we call. forget about it. But hey, you told that's us. That's a really good call. Because there's, uh, this has happened to me one other time where I slipped the, I hit the record button on the sly and fucking magic happened before I acknowledged that we were recording and I really wanted to publish it. I did end up publishing it. I did have a conversation with everybody who was on that episode to say, I really want to publish this. Are you okay with this? And they both gave consent and that kind of thing. So it was all consensual, but that's a a good conversation to have with people. (laughs) Um, (laughs) you know what i gotta be honest some of my favorite podcasts that i listen to start mid-conversation there's no necessarily hey i'm here today with so-and-so and so-and-so and and this is what we're going to talk about it just like picks up and then the Mm -hmm. intro comes 20 minutes later but i love i love just feeling like i just walked into a room with people talking and i'm a fly on the wall I know I've been thinking about how I'm going to edit this as we've been talking and I'm like, I think we're, I think it's staying as is. <laughs> That's what I, last night when I was editing the audio that I'm putting out, um, beyond words, uh, the power of knowing, I was like, this shit is like 90 minutes. I was like, well, I could ride. I I, I could do it. I was like, let me just split this in, in a two part. In the two part piece, so that because my thing is like when you're listening to something that's really long, I'm like when it's really you know when it hits a mid, I have to pause, and then if I press the wrong button, it fucks my shit up, and then I'm pissed because I'm like, where was that at? And yeah. so now I'm like, okay, I, that's the least I can do is like I'll split, and so now it's like two parts, which is fine. Um, but my thing is like, there's no vibe is vibe and it is yeah. so bananas right to be like and as a neurodivergent person i'm like if i don't press record now i may just forget. i'm gonna forget <laughs> okay the nice thing about this software is that it like blares warnings at you if you're not recording it's like actually really fucking annoying i've tested it once and it's like every two minutes you're not recording and it's like well, thank you. i know why are you here um, if you're not recording yes literally literally <laughs> Well, there you go. Uh, but yeah. I just gotta listen to the algorithm and hit record. <laughs> but, uh, no, I will do that. I, yeah, I that first little bit of that conversation because, like, well, now you <laughs> have to go and listen to Duncan Trussell's thing and do your research on Lambda, and then we come back for another Lambda podcast and do like a full conversation. I can. I can. I can. <laughs> I can, I can do it. Fucking so in. (laughs) I'm so in because I like have literally not been wanting to like chime in on the AI conversation because so many people are. They're like, it's either the like AI is stealing our jobs or like you just need to work harder and then AI won't be a threat to you. And it's like, Mm-hmm. That's not what we're talking about here. <laughs> we're talking about sentience. So Content. I know. So like I like there's yes. a different conversation that I want to yes. have about AI that is not on like that is not part of that like capitalist work structure. But anyway. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyways, so I have <sighs> any famous last words, like for realsies. Uh hmm. 
Dogs are cute. Get a dog. <gasps> yeah. My dog literally just came over. She's not my dog, but the, the dog that I'm taking care of literally just came over to say hi. Oh. So this is my new tattoo. She's my dog. Oh, oh, that's speaking of Scottish lineage, this is yeah. a Pictish design done by Marley Sessford in Edinburgh. Here. What's the meaning? That is gorgeous. So the symbol is a double crescent, which was present in Pictish carvings. Um, and the, there is nobody knows what it actually symbolizes because the Pictish people couldn't write. They only had other cultures, such as the Romans, write about them. Um, and so this is an oral tradition that was lost. Um, however, this artist, Marley Sessford, um, who, is, who started tattooing as a traditional tattooist, and then found this whole realm of Pictish symbols and has made his art in like reviving and revisioning the the meaning behind these Scottish tribal symbols from this Pictish culture. Um, he has added his own artistry and everything to it. So the original shape is this double crescent with it's like just two fucking lines carved in a rock. And then he adds the, like different cultures and different writings and stuff like that. Talk about the swirls and the circles and the and the yes. symmetry in the des- Pictish designs. And so he's developed things from there. So he drew this one for me because I was telling him about how being in Scotland now has been such a fucking reclamation for me. And like mm-hmm. the forest near here has been like, oh my fucking God. The um, I didn't know, I didn't realize I wasn't speaking the language of a forest that felt natural to me. I didn't realize I wasn't speaking the language of forests that felt natural to me until I got to this forest and felt the layers and felt the age and felt the land and felt the water in the air and felt the fucking birds and felt all the fucking buildings and the ruins and the brick and the shit and all of the stuff. I didn't realize until I got here that this is the language of the forest that I've been speaking. So I don't know if we still have time, but you did do a tree and speaking course I heard on one of your podcasts. So is that kind of what you're referring to where like you were taught a language and then you realize now in this forest? no. No. Okay. So cool. The, so yes, I have done, a course called Celtic Healing Reiki. And it's a little bit of a misnomer. Um, it uses the uh, Celtic symbols. It's not like your usual, if you were to Google runes and like the popular, like there's one letter, one rune for one letter of the alphabet kind of rune. That's kind of a fucking Disneyland version of runes. But the there is an older version of runes that comes from Um, Celtic people and comes from like the Scottish land and that kind of thing that the runes are slightly different Um, and so this there's a there's a lineage of healing modalities that come out of this that the runes all correspond to trees and the spirits in trees and so you 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 tap into the energy and vibration of the trees healing energy using the rune as your portal or gateway into that um, but once, but I mean, once you know the rune, once you know the vibe of the tree, I can be like oak, and it's here, and I don't need to like draw the symbol and like do the thing in order to make it happen. Right. I know how to get on the on the line with the tree. Now, 
that is that is one thing that was a very intentional course that I took and was like for the purpose of healing and it was fucking amazing and I loved it and it was great. However, what I'm talking about when I mean I didn't realize I wasn't speaking the language, my language of the forest, is that I have known for, I don't know, many years that feeling when you walk into a forest and you just feel a tree or that feeling when you lay on the ground and you can hear the mycelium talking or the feeling of when, you know when you're walking down a forest path and you feel the animal move in the mm-hmm. in the woods because you feel the air pressure change before you hear the twig yes. snap? And yes. like stuff like that. That to me is the language of a forest. And so because I see in binary code, oftentimes I am interacting with a visual language of the to where I see the vibration that the tree is operating at. Because even though we know oak trees have a particular level that they're speaking at, the same way that like the Facebook um uh, URL is facebook.com. But if I wanted to go to your direct profile, I would do facebook.com slash blah, right. blah. So right. like, I know oak trees are going to exist at oaktree.com. Um, but if I want to talk to this oak tree, I'm going to put in oaktree.com slash blah, blah, blah. And right. so walking through a forest in Canada, for instance, the, what I, the binary code is, is, is not complex. Um, the forests that exist in a lot of the areas that I was in in the prairies are new because for a couple of reasons one a lot of the forests are ripped out to put in farmland and two um, forests are less popular or less common in the prairies because they were prairies and so a lot of the <laughs> fucking uh, trees that are there are man planted and were like brought in right. to create yeah. parks and create greenlands yep. that resembled what was accepted for greenland at the time that it was made right um, and as opposed to just understanding that it's the fucking prairies and like <laughs> wide open grass is nature. <laughs> right. right. And so being in Canada and walking through a forest, it has, there is a very particular language to it because the types of trees that show up and the depths of trees and the intention yes. of how the trees arrived there. And the and what kind of underbrush? Underbrush also has like a very specific vibe. It's like so it's like a harmony in in um motherfucking music. So like if I was to play you a triad in like C major, that's like great, cool, that's boring. Thanks for showing up. That's <laughs> but if I'm so in my right hand, I'm playing a, a simple melody, like fucking chopsticks. I don't know. I'm gonna play a simple chopsticks melody on my right hand. But when I start with my left hand, then bringing in the bass, that's like the underbrush feeling, right? Like that's like your, that's your right. fucking meat and potatoes of a forest is actually the underbrush and the insects and like the rot and the the others, the mycelium and stuff that happens on a different layer. And so then you start doing like arpeggios and stuff. So like in Canada, the forest very much sounds like chopsticks with the right hand. And maybe they're like, bah, 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 like something simple on the left hand. But coming here, it's like fucking chopping every day because the ivy on the underbrush is like fucking bigger than some of the actual trees in here. And I didn't realize how much the like layering of a forest was important because I feel like in Canada, a lot of the the regrowth and a lot of the like conservation stuff that has been done um, is done 
And I don't know this other than from anything what the forest has told me, but it feels like it's been done from an aesthetic perspective. Like right. we want birch trees here because they're pretty. And we want these trees over here because we're pretty. Because like I've been in forests in Manitoba. There's Birds Hill Park. It's fucking alien magic land. If you want to go to a fucking like fucking intergalactic theme park, you go to fucking Birds Hill Park near Winnipeg, Manitoba. That is some like, there's some like Area 59 shit. In Manitoba. That nobody is talking about. Um, yeah. Nobody talks about and Manitoba, period. No, yeah. Yes, that's pretty fucking accurate. <laughs> that's pretty fucking accurate. And so um, the, like there's, yeah, there's a different language to it. And so while the stuff in Canada is very interesting, it's very linear. It's very one-dimensional. I'm sorry, baby trees in Canada. I'm sorry. But, like, there's a very, very linear, it's very methodical. Even when the You can drive down the highways in. and see the lines of the trees, like, like planted yeah. more. Yeah. Yeah, and, like, even when you get into areas where it's not, like, a line planted, like, a man-made thing, you, you can still feel the, like, yeah. the right? There's a different feeling to it. And just... And I know that the the place that I'm referring to here in Scotland that I'm nearby is Camo Estate in Edinburgh. And so I know that there's large areas of this thing, too, that have also been um, replanted or planted by man or have been specifically, like, done as, like, a beauty thing instead of a natural habitat kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but, there, yeah, there's just something there's just something in the soil. There's just something in the hills that hits different, that sings different. Because, like... I've been, yeah, when I was in Canada, I traveled over to Muskoka, which is a four hours north of Toronto, um, to do a shaman retreat, shamanic retreat there, which was a great experience. But I got in those hills and I got in the Canadian Shield and I was like, oh, this is not my land. These are not my trees. Like I could see the language and I could see the vibration and I could hear the language of the forest happening there. And it was like, it was like it was watching me because it, well, and I would, could literally also see the spirits of the Iroquois that were still around. And um, you could literally see the spirits of the Iroquois being like on, they're on, they're just watching. There wasn't like a defensiveness on guard, mm-hmm. but it was like a, this is our land and you are not from here, like kind of thing. And so the, it was just so interesting being there because, yeah, in the Canadian Shield and the way everything, like, bounced off the rock and all of that, the song was beautiful. And it was, like, listening to Greek. Like, it was just not my language. And even going out to BC, there, of course, BC is uh, prolific for their hiking trails and is, like, notorious around the world for all the hiking in the forest and that kind of thing. Um, felt nice. Felt cute. Um, I get why people are drawn to it en masse. But, like could take it or leave it and then coming here it was just like mm, plant me with this tree <laughs> <laughs> right I love that mm-hmm. I love that stuff always like when I I I'm notoriously considered a tree hugger but it has <laughs> everything to do with like for the forest and mountains are they're just it's just my my people like I'm made of that stuff and but there's this way uh, you're, I love the way you're describing it because I think it's such an important nuance to when you find the the inhabitation of a frequency that's home. Mm-hmm. 
that feels like skin to you, that feels like you can hear it and understand Harmony. it clearly. And, and to me, that it, that's just such a sacred thing and so mm-hmm. powerful because of what, it's like that perfect, it's, it's the perfect alchemy, right? It's like you came home and it embraces, embraces you, envelops you, and fucking activates some next level shit. Oh my God, has it ever has it ever activated some next level shit? And it's so funny. People here kept being like, oh, where are you going today? Like, are you gonna go see this? You're gonna go see that? And I'm like, uh, I, no, I'm staying home. I'm going in the forest and I'm coming home and I'm writing and I'm crying and that's it. And they're like, uh, like you came all this way. And it's like, and <laughs> like, this is where I needed to be. This is exactly where I needed to be. Like I never yes. intended to end up here. I never intended to come to Edinburgh and I've been here for a month and like. Right. It's so right. wild. It's so wild. And then, yeah, like to find this kind of connection here was just something you can't plan for. Yeah. I love it. Uh, and I think there's these, these pieces of like, just the way that just the unifying feeling of like there's this piece that that was like you couldn't quite you can't quite articulate or put a like a pin on like it's like you hear something or you hear the language of something and you're you can recognize it but there's nothing like the feeling of like hearing like literally you understand the language and vibrationally it is moving through you like code for me, I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a ham about that. I, some of the, one of my practices is like, I'll go to the local park here as close as it's going to get. Um, <laughs> and now like, <laughs> it's like they have like trails and I'll just like, I'll take off my shoes. And I'm the, I'm, I'm the person walking through barefoot and just, just being, just listening asking, you know, consensually engaging in an environment that is actually not, right, like aligned in that way. And so being able to also sense the different texture energetically of it Mm -hmm. while still powerfully nurturing and all the good things. And still nothing like when I go to Puerto Rico and I go home and I'm walking and I'm like, I'm like, oh, right. I know the smell. I I know the scent. It's, It's home. Like the minute I get there, Everything just and between the humans and the land itself, the vibration actually amplifies the fuck out of my own vibration. Right. Because it's like it's a tuning fork for you to be speaking your language. And I'm like, yes, bitch, I'm just I'm just I'm going to lay out here. I'm just going to lay out. (laughs) Don't talk to me. I'm just going to be on the ground laid out because I'm bonding. I'm just bonding. Right. And just this is so powerful. It's so powerful. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. I love that. You're welcome. To take it to another level, the I had a dream very shortly before I came up here. I had my plane tickets booked to Europe, but I hadn't left yet. Um, I had this dream where I was traveling. And in the dream, I was in India is where I had labeled it as. And I was walking through trying to find a place to eat and then decided to go off on this one path. And um I accidentally went out of town and I was like, oh, damn, I got to get back around to town. And so I turned around down this road and, and I realized that there was kind of this like huge ravine and town was on the other end of this ravine. And I could either go the long road back that I had come to go to the town or in my dreams, I have this ability 
I it often in real life I forget that it's I don't have this ability in waking <laughs> life. Um, the in dreams yeah. I have this ability to like jump fly. It's like these big yep. you, you jump, but it's this like mm. floaty, yep. beautiful, graceful. You're kind of flying. You're kind of jumping. Um, generally. I can I jump about ten feet in the air and I can go about thirty feet or sixty feet long with one of these floaty jumps, and so um, and nobody else in my dreams is really able to do this. I'm like I consciously, anyways. It's a it's a fun. How, have you practiced? Have you have you spent years of your life practicing that jumping skill in your dreams? Because I have. I know exactly. It what did. About. It kind of. And I didn't it kind know how of to do happened, it right away. It kind of happened by accident a few times in dreams. And then I realized that I was controlling it. And yeah. I was like, oh, yeah, well, duh, obviously. <laughs> and then, like I said, it's literally, sometimes I literally forget that I don't have the ability in waking life. Because I'll like go to kick off instead of going down all the stairs. I like go to kick off to like <laughs> jump down the stairs. And then I'm like, oh, wait a second. What is gravity? so real and it's like whoops um yeah no it's interesting anyways so in this dream i had gone out of town and there was this big ravine and like i said 10 feet in the air maybe 50 maybe 50 feet out is like the max but like generally i'm doing this over flat ground and i'm just able to like leapfrog flat ground or like a staircase and stuff like that on uh, with these jumps but looking at this, it was like a ravine. It was like through between two mountains, very green mountains. Like these weren't like rocky mountains or anything. But um, I wanted to get back to town. And I was like, fuck it, we're going to jump this. And so I just like jumped one leg off the path. And then all of a sudden I had this like red yoga ball that I was holding on to to like help me float extra more but I, was, I held it in this really dumb way anyways and so I like floated <laughs> down over through this ravine and just like very gracefully gently landed at kind of the other side of this ravine and where I landed was right in the middle of a small group of people being given a lesson on astrology and I was like oh great I'm gonna mm-hmm. stick around and like hang out and be the teacher's assistant in this class like this is fun this is cute what a cute little moment and um I like asked the teacher if I could hang around and she was like yeah for sure and so then we like all walked back to town together like discussing astrology and discussing whatever and then I went and found my thing to eat and so I got here got to this got then I got to Edinburgh proper in real life in my waking life and um then did you jump I, did I jump in my waking life to Edinburgh? I wish. Um, the uh, the um, got to Edinburgh, got to the park, and one day took a path going off in like a weird direction because there's paths all over the place because there's no such thing as trespassing in the UK. And so um, the I went off in this one path, came over this hill that I kind of didn't really know existed came over this hill and fucking was like bam in this dream was like looking at the ravine from this dream but in real life and and it's happened a couple different places in edinburgh where like the 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 city of edinburgh is built among seven hills the same way that rome was built between seven hills isn't that fucking amazing anyways um and so the hills of edinburgh are this place that i had this dream and it's, mm-hmm. 
is fucking so that dream was really 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 potent and like i just i just like um, three days heard like um seven chakras too and i wasn't gonna say it but then i remembered that your dream was in india yeah that's Mm. cool the bible talks about the seven devils as well and to me that's you know the bible's version of chakras of energy points but of course they would term it as a devil because you don't want to go in and find your own source of God. But yeah, the seven devils. Yes. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Can I ask okay. a question about how you normally you land can. when you're in those dreams? Yeah. I So just, this time I, you had a ball. This time I had a ball. I have never, ever had a ball before, but this was like a really fucking massive jump. Like we're like, uh, like a hundred of elevation and I like, feel like I feel like two or three hundred feet up, long. Man. Like it was a it was a huge oh pff, yeah pff, like whatever that ball and, symbolizes um, for you it's symbolizing you being able to go further and farther than you ever thought you could before. Yeah. With grace and support mm-hmm. and lightness. And it's red so you're still rooted to the ground. Mm-hmm. So fucking cool. So fucking cool, man. Thank y'all. Thank y'all. And so... <laughs> Good dreaming. Uh, I've had this a few times where I have dreams. I had a, re- a recurring dream and I ended up in Calgary walking into the building that I had dreamed about consistently for like six months. And um, I knew how to, I knew what the building's layout was. I knew where the office was that I had to go to. I like knew how to get around because I had dreamt about it so much. Um, that was like that, way more mind blowing. Put that on the future podcast. I love one that. about dreams. Oh, good call. Good call. That's a super good call. Um, I want to be cognizant of Angelique getting to work. I was thinking about that too. The half hour. Yeah, but the um, I landing in the dreams. It's I feel the pressure going up. I feel the pressure coming down. And usually it's just like a, um, what movie is that from? And you feel the pressure coming down. Yeah. There's like a different, it's like the air pressure changes when I'm coming down. But and this um, one wasn't that hard of a come down. It was a float down. Correct. Pretty much the whole thing was downward momentum, right? Like pretty much the whole thing was landing at that jump. It was a very small kickoff with a very big right. landing. Um, but typically it's very equal kickoff and landing typically, um, in dreams, but the landing, it's kind of just like a, like a one, two land, like mm-hmm. one foot lands first. Mm-hmm. And then you kind of brace it the second, and then you just carry on. Usually I'll jump right away again. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah. Do you ever work with your, work with your dreams? I have a, my, one of my teachers where I got my ordination from, um, uh, my, Kohene, I use priestess because it's the English translation. Kohene is the Hebrew word for priestess. Um, oh, and okay, okay, okay. my practice is in earth-based Judaism. And okay. so uh, one of uh, Rabbi Jill Hammer just re- not long ago put out a book on dream- working with dreams and like actually actively, you know, and, so- and to me, I think that, uh, you know, some people... Some people have like the hardware to actually work within their dreams to create and shift and move. And so I'm curious, have you attempted any of that work with 
your dreams because it seems like your dreams are not just creating, but also foretelling. Yes. I have very prophetic dreams and I have worked on different levels. So there was a long phase of my life uh, in like when I was 2016 to 2018 Mm. inclusive where I had no dreams. Um, It was black Mm. all night. And um, so Mm. then I started keeping a dream journal um, in late 2018, early 2019 to help uh, foster them. And that really did start to help bring it back. And so after that, um, I, I only kept a dream journal for a few months, but then there are these, some of these like recurring themes, um, in my dreams, like the jumping, for instance, uh, where I, I do work within the dreams to develop a thing. Um, I don't have a, uh, a strict practice other than that. There's, there's themes that I engage with. One thing that fucking comes up so used to. Thank God I moved out of this phase. Um, bathrooms came up all the fucking time. I very almost never have nightmares, but there's a couple of bathroom layouts that my brain has presented to me that give me yeah. sweats because they are never ending bathrooms. And yeah. the and being in London a few weeks ago, like literally the bathrooms of my nightmares um, in all the basements of all the gross little. But um, the yeah, so the so yes. But so hearing you say that about the dream practices and stuff like that, I there is definitely untapped potential there to do mm-hmm. more magic and more intentional work and stuff like that with fucking dreams. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a, a, a operate in a very similar way. Um, in my, in my dream, there are things, the apartment I lived in a year ago, I actually dreamt about maybe seven years ago. Mm. And I had no, I had you told me then that the dream was a foretelling of where, where my, I would not have, yes. I was like, what the fuck? Yes. Right. I was like, yes, I, holy shit. Right. So, but so my, uh, a lot of my medicine has come through to me in my dreams, like snake medicine, owl medicine, right? Like ever since I was a kid, there's just this, there's a lot, there's a lot there and they're all prophetic in nature. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I learned to Just, you know, the idea of cultivating a deeper relationship, because obviously for me, there was this piece where I recognized that in my dream, in my dream state, there's so much happening and so much being laced that that's possibly the entry way for me to do a different type of work that cannot be like it. Well, it's just a certain type of container that can go into the root of something because the dream, everything is symbolism, right? Um, and so I feel like it would be interesting, um, which is what I love about, you know, the teachers that have informed and also my own relationship with like, oh, if I'm going to, if I'm going through things, um, when I'm going to bed, am I like leaning into the intention that when I finally fall asleep, that in that space, I'm going to do the work that in the active reality, right? So like 
authoring things from that place of inception? Yes. Okay. So I 100% do that. There is, I have learned, okay, so maybe I do do more dream work than I was giving myself credit for. Right. Because <laughs> there, there's two things. So one, there is often nights where I will go to sleep saying, yo, Archangel Rap or like Archangel Michael, like, can you please take care mm-hmm. of this while I'm sleeping? There's been a lot of healing things since I've been in this house, but like little things mm-hmm. like, I'm like, I need you to take care of my shoulder for me while I'm sleeping, please. <laughs> and I wake up and it's great and we're fine. Um, however, the other thing that I have really been developing is when I'm descending into sleep, I started cluing into this because, you know, when you're falling asleep and you like are, there's images coming up, but you're not really asleep yet. Yes. But yet you, there's fucking, this happens to everybody. You think you trip over a set of stairs or you trip and fall over something. And there's that visceral sense of falling and it like wakes you up instantly. Okay, so I used to get that like four or five times a night. And so, but then I finally clued into the fact that like, this is, this is not a like fully dream and you're not fully awake. There's a separate day yes. here to play yes. in. And so I have really, really, really been playing with that lately. And I will set myself down in different scenarios to work through things. And yes. not always, um, it's not always like, situations that are happening in real life. Sometimes I'll I'll choose a situation that's happening in real life, but I'm generally very careful with those so that I don't slip into my ego about the situation. Um, Mm -hmm. And so oftentimes I'll, oh, I just, I'm literally just realizing this right now. If there's a situation in my waking life that I'm worried about or whatever, I'll, I'll follow the vibration of that situation into whatever representation the in-between state has for me. And then I'll work through it there as I'm falling asleep and then let whatever happens as I'm sleeping happen because I am generally kind of like setting an intention for the dark sleep phase and then working through something in the in-between sleep phase and I have the part that I have not yet mastered they're telling me I have that's interesting um is the waking up phase is that Mm -hmm. um you know set like there's that in-between phase yet again on the wake up yes and um that so far for me is a lot shorter. That's a very, there's a very short window for that. And yes, they keep telling me that I've mastered it. That's interesting. I didn't realize I that mean, I had. <laughs> well, it's probably why it's a short window. That makes a lot of sense. Right? It's like Shauna was saying, where like, if you can't figure out what you're doing and the thing, you're probably just doing the thing. Um, right, 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 right. That the actual, the actual, for it to just be. So you already did the, you already entered, did the work, and now you just, you're arriving in the moment and in the day. I'm really, I'm always fascinated about, um, one of the things I love to do as my own, like my own experience and my own practice, but also when I'm working with folks is like looking, just really unpacking the, um, the, their own internal language. Like what are the access points? Right. Is it the dream? Is it the create? Like, where is it that you can find that that is like it hits and it hits entirely different. And what's fascinating that in the years that I've been doing this, it's like I love that it's so natural. People don't realize that that's what it is because yeah. they're it's just so na- it's like, no, I just have dreams. No, nah, have you shit. <laughs> 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 shit. Like, whole fucking like. I'm like, wait, wait, can, can, I'm like, pause, 
can we just affirm that your shit has been coming for you? Right? Like, because yes. we're like, oh, I need to learn. No, no, no. Your shit has been coming for you. You've been working shit out in your dreams, rewriting the scripts. You've been doing a whole bunch of shit in that world that is actually what's shifting the reality you're embodying. Totally. Then that's your access. You're, I'm like, that's your access point. You don't have to go do what somebody else is doing. You have right there, you know what I mean? It's like this realization. Oh, shit. That is your door where you can do some different type of work that for me, especially as an Aquarius, like, that the type of quantum movement that happens in the dream realm, I'm like, sign me the fuck up. <laughs> it's different. It's mm-hmm. a different inhabitation. So I, I love that. I love the, I love the texture of the noticing of mm-hmm. your like inhabitant movement, right? This jumping off, this landing down, which sounds very like uh, walking on the moon type yes. of thing. That yes. slow. <sighs> yes, it feels like that. Right. Yeah, yeah, I, I, so excited. (laughs) I appreciate you asking those questions because like, yeah, I just needed to say that out loud to connect those dots. But um, it's interesting because I have like two streams of deja vu. There's the deja vu where I remember things that I have previously dreamt about, but I didn't remember the dream until I had the deja vu. Yes. And so the, I wake up in the morning of the actual dream and I'm like, oh, I had a dream last night and there's nothing. There's nothing, I remember it for like three seconds and then it goes away. But then, yeah, the deja vu happens and it, it whatever, and I see it. And then there's also deja vu where I have not previously dreamt about it. Often those are future deja vus. So I, I walk into the moment I will have deja vu about later because like yes. I experience deja vu from both directions. And yes. so the... <laughs> Okay, have you ever been in a ping pong, ping pong moment of deja vu where you're like bouncing between like four or five yes. or six different timelines from yes. the past and the future and the present, yes. but then you're in the present recognizing you're in the past and the future and the yes. present. And so it's like standing yes. in front of two mirrors and it keeps going yes. and you're just like... When I, usually in that moment, I literally, I'll, I'll stop, physically stop yeah. and literally do this thing like... yes. Yes. Yeah, I try to I try to catch it. I'm like, where did it come from? Where is it going? What does it mean? Where am I now? And then it's gone. And then I'm like, no, 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 no. Come back, come back, come back. Like you have something to tell me. Uh but but yeah. it's gone. And then I just have to keep walking. But see the thing is, <laughs> like, is I've done it in the past like too. I know. I'd say I've been I've had those moments too where I'm like, no, 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 I need to know. But I don't even don't even worry right. about it anymore. Right. Because the right. fun thing is that I already know it's coming back around. I right. already know right. it's gonna be there. Never mind the codes that you can watch it leave behind. But yeah. like the um yeah, you literally already know it's you're gonna make meet it again, that you're going yeah. to meet it again. And I think that what I find myself doing is usually after I realize, like I literally, I'm like, ping, 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 ping. Then I'm like, thank you for affirming. Yes. Because if you you could feel the multidimensional exactly cross. Exactly what I was thinking. Where you're like, mm-hmm. yeah. All right. Okay. So thanks. Yeah. I don't. I, I always feel like, I oh, have, I have a And, you know, the, the cognitive details that allow you to articulate. Yeah. 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 And it's just, there's just this, and that's, again, that's that knowing is so fucking different. It's different than all the extra, this, it feels like you feel it in your body, 
every piece is resonating at a frequency that is literally multidimensional. Yes. And I'm like, oh, fuck this, man. I'm like, this shit is literally, I was just for a minute, I'll be like, this is so fucking dope, right? Because you you, yes. you can even know you notice it. So yeah, I love that. For yes. me, it's so peaceful. And it like brings up the feeling of like, okay, so you know, in your car in the summer, the first time you turn the air conditioning on in the summer, and it like pumps the smell of the like dust and the air conditioner yeah. smell. There's yeah. something so fucking like comforting and wholesome and beautiful about that moment. Like you're on the road, you're in your car, you're in your place. And then there's like this nostalgic, but like current smell of that like peace. And it's like that, that like, that like, thank you for recognizing the moment feels like that where you're like in the past and then nostalgic, but you're in the present because you're fucking getting some shitty air conditioner air blown in your moment. But like, yeah, (laughs) I don't know. That's always like, that's always been, I love it. I always love it. No, yeah, I do that. Like when the summer comes, that first when you roll down your window and the air comes in, like mm-hmm. those moments. And to me, the the pieces, the texture of them, are often this like it's like a hybrid of famili- familiarity, nostalgia, but and then there's also like this tinge of like that this is a point, a pinpoint. Right. It's like there's something about this moment that's a pin. Oh, my God. It kind of feels like how in Back to the Future, they have to hit. What is it like? 77 miles per hour in order to time travel. It feels like that. Right. Like you have to hit the windows down at this degree in this sun. It feels like this is your this is our predestined meetup point. Yeah, yeah, that's like, that, yeah. Right? Like you're yes. meeting yourself. It's a deja vu. It's like an analog deja vu. Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Did I just have an analog deja vu moment right now? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so so as a pisces this has been thoroughly fulfilling to watch two aquarians talk about dreaming (laughs) but no for real like it's um because because as aquarians you guys are very mental about things so you're very uh it's easy for you to describe the processes of your dream experiences. And as a Pisces, mm-hmm. I am constantly in a dream experience. So right, right. I can, I in the water world. can talk about the same things that you guys are talking about, but it's less of like an outer experience for me. It's like, um, yeah, this is always mm-hmm. yeah. my life. And I am uh, really enjoying like the technicalities <laughs> that you two are coming out with when it comes to to dream world shit yeah 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 i feel like um and that's also like where the the my the one uh audio that i did about right timing because i was talking about that moment the the it's you know time is whatever you know the human construct of it but there's this moment of of the right (laughs) there's this there's this moment of this right timing that it looks like you it's so it's so complete in itself 
that to fuck with it is almost yeah. an insult Right. So I was like talking about like your own right timing where we tend to be as humans, we're conditioned to force, to push, to strive. But the way that that becomes problematic is that all the all the frequency components are not yet in their ripe intersection for you to have this moment in which everything is trans. Right. Everything is transformed. And then we try to do that to other folks. <laughs> we're like, no, this is where you need to be at. And it doesn't work that way because you have to honor that there's a right timing for them as well. So you have to release that. But for me, the, in the audio, what I was communicating, my Substack, I was communicating that moment that you, you don't have to, you don't have to uh, plan for it, prep for it. You don't have to do any, the moment will come. And when it comes, there is nothing like it whatever you were trying to work through before in that moment, it is all clear. That's it. Right. Like in that moment, all the other times we're like, what, what this, what about that? What about this? What about that? In that moment, there's no, what about anything? There's like, oh yes. Right. It is right. Thank you. Yes. Yes, <laughs> yes it is. Thank you. Right. Like, it's like, oh, it, you, it, the rightness of it. And I mean, right as in whole and aligned in the intersections of frequency is like, oh, the, you don't, you don't have to get a per, you don't have to, you don't have to motivate a person. You don't have to, you don't have to anything because it all internally just shifts. And to me, I'm like, yo, right timing is everything. And it's worth knowing that that thing will come to you when the time, when those things happen for you. And then fuck it. You're, you're like loose. You're like after that. You just said, you got to be careful with your magical ass because you should be just aiming and shooting shit all over the place, right? Because Uh, you no longer have to, there's a struggle. And I love that. I love it. I wonder if this is a topic for another conversation. But the Pisces Can we do this again, please? Yes. I'd love to. Good. Yes. Angelique, I need you to be, I need you to do this again, please. (laughs) I know Shauna's in. The, please. Yes, okay. I'd love to. I'm going to call it here. Thank you so much, ladies, for joining us today. And thank, thank you to you. all of our listeners. Yes. I hope that you fucking love the shit out of this new, more casual, more friendly, more profound podcast. Because, like, oh, I'm, I'm not the same. I'm not the same woman I was coming into this. Like, yes. follow, subscribe, yes. join, rate, whatever the fuck, whatever platform you're on. It means a lot. Every listen, every every stream, everything now it makes yes. a fucking world of difference. Because I'm trying to bring conversations to people who are on their what is necessarily a solo spiritual journey. Because just because you're going through the work on yourself doesn't mean you have to be lonely while you're doing it. Um, join the conversations. Join us. We are here. We want to be your new friends. We want to be your new community. Welcome yes. to the group chat. So we'll see you next week, Thursday. Um, I don't remember who's going to be on again next week, but it's going to be fucking phenomenal. So we will see you soon. Thank you. I love you. I love you, Angelique. I love you, Shauna. I love you. 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 I